And finally, after two months of this, I, you know, my daughter, my 10 year old comes out to the porch and she taps on my shoulder and she says, mommy, you're Jen Kim. It's time to wake up now. We're all about turning a crappy situation into something positive. A quarter million dollars of credit card I debt. I still remember the day when no one turned up. Throw it in the garbage and start from scratch. I could give myself a chance. So I started something. I mean, I think that counts as from poop to gold. <laughs> our sponsor for this episode is our 14-day video script challenge. Yes, we are sponsoring our own show. Yes, we are. <laughs> Welcome back to From Poop to Gold. I'm Benton Crane, your co-host and the CEO of Harmon Brothers. Today, I have a very special guest with us here on the show. I am joined by Jennifer Kim. Welcome to the show, Jen. Hey, Benton. Thanks for having me. So Jennifer is a brand strategist and a marketing expert, and she is the creator of Master Brand. Jen, tell us what Master Brand is. So Master Brand is our methodology at our company, Master Brand Institute, and it's a campus for small business owners where we help them get seen, heard, and paid for being themselves. And it's located in the San Francisco Bay Area and also in Honolulu, Hawaii, so I get to run my company from both places. Oh, that's rough. Yeah, it's hard. Hard life. <laughs> you poor thing. I know. Very grateful, though. Well, um, well, we're so excited to have have you on with us today. Um, so, of course, this is the Poop to Gold podcast. We're going to be diving into your Poop to Gold journey and finding out more about that. Um, but before we do that, let's talk just a little bit more about that methodology behind Master Brands so that our listeners can really understand what it is that you're currently doing before we dive into that backstory of how you got here. That's great. Well, Master Brand is all about taking what bigger brands that influence us all. Because I think for small businesses specifically who we help, one of the things that is a disconnect is when you're an entrepreneur or a small business owner, you think you're on your own completely. Mm -hmm. right? There are, And you also forget how important um, structure that came from maybe your previous uh, career in corporate or some other place, which a lot of entrepreneurs or many have, or, and also bigger brands influence us. So for example, I always tell people, you know, um, companies like Starbucks, mm -hmm. right? How can you take the best of what they do to create a brand that's so sticky, so influential, and to create a way to make your audience feel like they want to be with you. What Starbucks is, they're not a coffee company. A lot of, they sell coffee, but that's the commodity part of their mm -hmm. business. What they've created is community. They've created what their mission is, which is to create the third place. You know, and I'm not a big fan of Starbucks coffee. In fact, I'm a, I'm a coffee snob, but from as a brand strategist, I really love what they've been able to do to take their one little shop in Seattle, Washington, and they had a vision. They had a vision mm -hmm. to expand and create a place where people would gather. And that was their number one goal. And they succeeded at being the third place. You know, the first place is home, second place is work, third place is Starbucks, right? And they've also launched a ton of entrepreneurs and small businesses through that gathering. And so my point is that Master Brand Method takes those case studies and ideas from bigger brands and right sizes them for entrepreneurs and then puts their stories and their, their intellectual property and their skills, talents, gifts into the mix so that they can be more impactful and influential in a high integrity way for the audiences that they're attracting. So that's really what the master brand method is. And that's the 
that's my true joy. And once you hear my cryptical story, you'll see that it was a very long winding uh-huh. yarn to get here. For sure. Uh, but that's that's the company we have, that I run now. Amazing. So you're taking some of the lessons of the great brands, the household brands that you know we all know and love. We you know most of these brands we trust them, we remember them, and so we take what they're doing well, and then you apply it to uh, to us little guys, right? Yes. Okay. Well, we'll come back to that, but let's uh, let, let's go back in time. Um, every successful person has had to overcome some serious things to you know to reach their level of success. I want to hear about you know if you have to look back over your life, what was the uh, the kind of the quintessential poop moment that just stands out above them all, where you just faced insurmountable obstacles, you felt like you couldn't overcome it, you felt downtrodden, you were um, you just didn't know what the future held. Take us back to one of those moments. Oh, I love the question because even as you ask it, I can feel and see myself in the moment. So thank you. Uh, there are a lot. I think everybody has obviously a lot of poop to gold moments, but to get specific around the big defining one for me, mm-hmm. the one that brought me to the life I have now that truly feels like a life of my own design, which is what I always really wanted, was back in 2006, I was a very successful uh, marketing executive mm-hmm. for one of the biggest companies in the world, Verizon. And I honestly, a lot of people don't know this about me now because I help so many entrepreneurs and small business owners, but I had no desire at all to have my own business venture at all. In fact, I thought I was shooting for the corner office. I didn't think I was necessarily going to do that at, a, at Verizon, which was a huge company. Mm-hmm. I imagined that I would become like maybe the next Sheryl Sandberg, mm-hmm. you know, the CEO of Facebook, or Marissa Meyer, who is the CEO or was the CEO of Yahoo, came from Google. I imagined that I would become a high-tech CEO, and that was my goal. Now, early on in my career, I got some really great advice from a mentor who I asked when I was 22 years old, green and hungry, if I want to have your life, and she had a life that I thought looked really great. She was 33 years old. She had a husband she looked like she liked. (laughs) And she had uh, two kids, and she was the head of the company I worked for. And I was 22 years old and said, what, what should I do if I want to have a life like yours? And her house was beautiful. And I just thought, okay. And she looked happy. And she was really sharp and smart. And she could really hold her room. And, I, and she said, you know, the key to moving up the chain fast is to take all the projects that people don't like. And it was, and honestly, I will say that advice, moving forward to my big poop moment, I needed to give that context, is really what led me to today. So anyway, fast forward to 2006, from that moment, I had just led one of the company's biggest launches and to this day- Still at Verizon? Yes, at Verizon. Um, I, this product that was launched, which is IPTV, you know, TV, like basically what is trying to kill the cable company. Yep. It's billions of dollars of revenue today. Um, and I launched that product back in 2006. And to launch a product of that magnitude and try to manage literally hundreds of people who need to buy into the idea, it was the greatest leadership opportunity for me that I ever had in corporate. 
And can can you give me some context on the the timing? When did Netflix switch from DVDs to streaming? Just so I can understand kind of how this relates. Yeah. So that was that actually happened in actually DVDs to streaming. That happened in the early two thousands uh, for Netflix. But then what happened is the telephone companies like Verizon, and you know they don't consider this a telephone company anymore. It sounds so old. Mm-hmm. But that's what they were. Yep. You know, they, they were known as telephone. They wanted to become technology companies, into internet protocol companies, and so Verizon specifically, they also wanted to compete with the cable companies for streaming, mm-hmm. right? To because they saw that opportunity, and so that's the background. So you had a Netflix, which was a disruptor because they were moving from, you know basically killing Blockbuster, mm-hmm. right? And, and moving into streaming. And then you had the cable companies that owned television communication for us, yep. right? Yep. And then what the, 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 like the Verizons and the AT&Ts of the world wanted was to get into the internet protocol business mm-hmm. to stream TV as an option. And so that was, that's kind of how the, that's what the industry was. Got it. Yeah. So I ran that project for two years and uh, in 2006, we launched. So I was running that project from 2004 to 2006. And it was wildly successful. I mean, obviously, there's always, I mean, again, trying to navigate that and that many people is a lot. But I have to say that we hit our goals and we did it. And as a result, and back to the advice I'd gotten 10 years prior to that, mm-hmm. I thought, great, I now have, I've shown my abilities, I have great relationships in the company. I'm going to get the promotion I'm looking for next. I was already a marketing VP, but there was a position to become a senior VP. And it was like, okay, great. I'm moving up the food chain. And within a week of me getting a, I got a little award. I got, I still have it to this day. This little acrylic plaque. Mm -hmm. At the same time, my colleague, who's a great guy, he actually got the promotion to this, this role that I was gunning for by taking on that really, hard project and it was in that moment Benton that of course I, I got a little frustrated I was angry to be honest with you I so, so you've like spent two years putting your blood sweat and tears into this project specifically because you wanted this new role I barely even saw my kids for those two years I had uh-huh. two young daughters at the time I, I I put my entire all into it and literally the guy who got the job who we're still friends to this day you know um he actually got a pass the whole time because he got to do the day-to-day work and I had to do like the big lift and then he got the promotion and I even worked at the company longer. And and I realized that in that moment of frustration that I didn't have control of my life and this job was not going to give me anything. I needed to design what I wanted my life to look like. And so... That moment is actually not my poop moment. It was my awakening moment mm-hmm. that led to my poop moment because I basically took a night. I, I created a nine month exit plan to leave the company because it wasn't responsible for me to just quit. So a lot of people hear the entrepreneurial story of like, just jump off the cliff. I had two young people to take care of. Yep. Okay. And so I knew that I needed to create a little bit of discipline, even though I was eager you know, to leave, it was like, I just need to create a little bit of discipline. This is another thing I tell entrepreneurs today. It's like, if you worked in corporate, you have, you created some disciplines, apply them to your business, you know? Anyway, I left and I started a company and I, you know, you would think I would do consulting or something that was in alignment with my skill set. Actually, I didn't. Benton, I started a women's underwear company. Okay. Um, and a retail store, even though I was working in corporate and consulting and 
the reason I did that is because one of the things I'm known for is smelling the money. And I needed, I knew that if I was going to start a company or start a business, a small business, I needed to get where I knew there would be a market for it. And in Hawaii, where I was living, um, there was no place for women to buy underwear. And I noticed flying back and forth from Dallas that every time I would get back to Hawaii, there was one thing I would notice, and that was a pink bag. Women would be, that was their carry on, and it was mm -hmm. a Victoria's Secret bag. And the reason is, is you couldn't buy underwear in Hawaii. So I'm like, I'm, that's what I'm gonna do. So I mortgaged my house, opened my first retail store, did not think I was gonna expand it, honestly. I just wanted to make good money and have freedom, which I thought was freedom. But if you open retail and even what's going on in the world when there's like, you know, a recession or anything, yep. hard, retail's hard. But I was really good at building brands. Uh -huh. so I, bottom line is in 18 months, so between 2006 when I left and 2008, we were doing $10 million in business. I had opened wow. and expanded uh, more stores. I was signing leases left and right, looking into acquiring commercial property. I mean, we're crushing it. So that's- Did you have an e-commerce arm too, or was that all retail? That was towards the end um, and too late. So we're getting to my poop moment because it was mainly retail, 90% 90, 90 of it was retail. We'd take phone orders and we had a website, but it wasn't like we had turned on mm -hmm. commerce engine, right? We just, we had ways to do that. Um, the bottom line is, 2008 happens, right? And I'm so focused on expansion. My financial advisor was like, we need to pump brakes. You know, something's happening in the economy. And, you know, I think you're doing well. Let's reserve our cash. Let's not build more. And I didn't, this is one of my biggest mistakes. And I say to this day is that I didn't listen because I did lean on what my strengths were, which is expansion, branding, launching, mm -hmm. building, right? And I think that I don't regret that happening because it's created a way smarter person than me. But at the time, you know, he was like, look, this is not your area of expertise. Leave it to me, let's, let's handle it this way. And I still, I, I didn't trust anybody but myself. That's the thing is like, I was like, I. I did this. I'm responsible for this. I got to do it. I have two young kids. This has to work. So let, 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 let's pause for just a second, Jen. So for, for context here, this is a retail-based business, which is very heavily invested into real estate space for these retail spaces, right? Lots of overhead, right? And, yeah. and real estate is what got killed in the 2008 collapse. So two I, things. Two, two things. Real estate and retail, those are the two industries that got completely killed, and that's the business I was in. Got it. Yeah, exactly. Got it. Okay. I just wanted to wanted to kind of give that context for our listeners. So let, let's dive right back in. Yeah. So basically it happened very fast. You know, that's the thing with recessions is you think, you know, and then it's literally like you're doing very well. And then the next day, nobody's coming to your store. Nobody was buying cars. Nobody was buying houses. Nobody was buying anything, right? This was 2008. And for any of you listening who were part of that time, you know what the economy was under. It was under siege. And um, I didn't have enough cash to keep my doors open. I thought I did. I had a lot of inventory. I had a lot of assets on paper. But what I didn't have was cash flow to be able to weather a storm mm -hmm. for even three months. And... And as a result of that, my financial advisor gave me second advice and he said, you know, you're gonna have to liquidate. 
you know, this was just three months in and I was just really working hard because mm. remember what my mentor told me, just if you work really hard and you do the hard things, you're going to get what you want. And he said, this is the time for someone like you to take advantage of what they're doing for small business owners, which is you can file for bankruptcy. And I was like, that is not happening. My pride, my ego, my Asian upbringing, I'm Asian, by the way, for those of you who can't see me, but you know, like I could not culturally or mentally or spiritually get behind it. I was like, uh, yeah. I just, That's like accepting failure and you're like, no, yeah. I don't want it. No. And he said, you need to think like a business person, not like a wounded little child. And I remember him having this hard conversation with me around it. And by the way, he's still my financial advisor today because of those hard conversations. And so I had to liquidate everything and I lost my house. I lost my business. I lost my marriage. I lost my mentor, which was my grandmother. At all in within three months, I had to shutter everything. My grandmother passed away and she was the one that raised me. And so, um, but the crazy blessing, and I don't even know if this is a blessing, but is that when my grandmother died and I was going through all of this, she left me, she, she left me her house, but it was this old house, hundred years old, two bedrooms, like, and so I had to take my two little kids. But it's a roof over your head, right? Right, right. And I had to move from my, I literally had like this executive palatial mansion style house, right? That I had to get rid of and, and move into this country house, which was so humbling. And I fell into the deepest depression of my life. You know, literally, I, I spent the next 60 days sitting on the porch watching the cars go by and Benton if you knew me back then or even if you know me now people can't even imagine me being catatonic and depressed like that um but I was I had no I felt like a a, a fantastical failure I felt like I was an awful mother like I had left my children down I felt like especially since I knew we got divorced. You know, I, I was going through all of that. What, what, were your kids old enough to understand what, what's going on at this point? Or well, are they still little? They were pretty little. They were 10 and, and, and four. Okay. So, you know, um, and one day I, and I subsisted on green tea and cigarettes and I didn't even smoke. I started, I, I, I had, I like just darkened so much. I was, I, and I had also like lost People thought I was, something was really wrong with me because I just withered, I was withering away. You know, I became like 100 pounds. It was awful because I was so depressed and I'd never been depressed in my life, Benson. So I didn't know what that was. So when you're in that spiral and you don't have, you don't allow people to be around you to help you, you don't even realize that you're actually hurting yourself and have no idea that you're doing it. And finally, after two months of this, I, you know, my daughter, my 10 year old comes out to the porch and she taps on my shoulder and she says, mommy, you're Jen Kim. It's time to wake up now. And I think she was just sick of the fact that, you know, it was like they were eating peanut butter sandwiches. And, you know, just kind of like, she was like, she had moved into mom mode. My poor 10 year old child, you know, had to fend for herself and her sister while mommy was catatonic on the porch every day, just staring at the cars for two months. And that moment of my daughter 
tapping me in the shoulder and reminding me who I was, that was the moment that I, I shifted everything. And, uh, you know, I rebuilt my life from there. So I don't know if you want to go into that next, but that's, that's what it was. I lost everything. I didn't have a dollar to my name. My mom gave me a $5,000 loan. And from there I rebuilt my life. My goodness. That is, um, I, uh, as I think about those type of situations, the, the thing that's really going through my head is like, regardless of what had happened in your business, you were still you and you still had all of the same inherent value as a person that you had had while your business was successful, even after it failed. But yet when you're in the moment and you're in the middle of that, sometimes that's impossible to see. And and sometimes you end up telling yourself stories that actually don't align with the reality that you are still a human being with value and with worth. And um, and doesn't matter what's happening in business, like you are still good and, and everything about you is still there. It's still in place. Um, so I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, especially, I feel like, um, you, you know, I don't know that, um, you know, things have gotten like 2008 yet, but I feel like there are a lot of people right now who are finding themselves in crappy situations. And I think there are probably a lot of people who are, you know, going through their own poop moment right now as we speak. Um, and, and so I really appreciate you, uh, you know, going to that place with our listeners and, and, and sharing that story. So um, take us, take us now. So you have this moment, you know, your, your daughter helps you wake up and, and helps remind you who you are. Um, and now you go into this rebuild phase and you yeah. get intentional about what you want your life to become and what you want your career to become. Um, give us the, uh, um, I guess kind of the, the cliff notes version of how you went from that moment to where you're at today. Yeah, I mean, I went back to the basics. And I think that's such a, you know, whenever you're in the dip, in the dark, in the bottom, and I love what you said about realizing that your value has nothing to do even with the money or the prestige or the things or anything and go, if you get back to the nuts and bolts of your value, that's what I returned to and said, what's my value in the working world? Like, what are the things that I can contribute and help and support that I would also get paid for, right? And it came back to, I'm really good at identifying ideas, bringing them to market and branding them. And so I realized, but I also remember that moment that I, why I left in the first place was I didn't have any freedom. And so I said, how can I get the best of both things and still be me? And it, it came down to, I can be a consultant. I can, I can, and I knocked on Verizon's door first. And they were thrilled to have me back. You know, they were like, you're available. Even though everybody was hurting in that time, especially retail and real estate, even big companies like Verizon were also suffering. They were laying off people, but actually consultants, uh, coaches, any service providers or training types did very well during that time. And so, especially if you had experience. And so they brought me back on as a consultant, not as an employee, which was my desire. And it turned into, they became, and they still are one of my biggest clients in my company and put me on retainer and the rest is kind of history. From there, you know, that was back in 2009. Mm -hmm. And between 2009 and today, I've, you know, created this brand company where we go and we strategically help companies like Verizon. But then I started feeling like when I was in that space, when I was in my poop moment, when I lost everything, there are other entrepreneurs and small business people that don't have 
this. They don't have this because I didn't. I didn't. I didn't have a community around me. I didn't have people that I trusted, but it's because I wasn't allowing myself to trust people. And I realized that was one of the biggest reasons I failed. And so that's how I started helping entrepreneurs do the same. So I had both kind of companies at the big companies and then I have the small companies and two different companies that helped them. And it's because I learned from my poop moment um, how I could serve the world in a bigger way, uh, but still retain my values and my value. Right. And, and it's, that's exactly, you know, what I did. And I had to learn that very expensive, painful lesson, uh, to get resorted and, and relook at, you know, how I could help. And now I'm proud to say, you know, we have a very successful enterprise and, and, and I learned to trust and have great people around me, including financial advisors who tell me, knock it off, girl, you're getting your own way, you know, like it's, you, you, you know, grow up. And, you know, I think we get, when we're scared, we go back to that wounded child, that wounded moment. And we need people who care about us to say, I see you, I empathize with what you're going through and I want to help you, you know? And so that's what has happened for me. Thank you for sharing that story with us. Um, most of our audience are either entrepreneurs, marketers, or we do have some filmmakers as, as well who follow us. Um, for that group of people, what would your number one piece of advice for them be? Mm-hmm. So no matter what the economy is like, so this is, you know, and to be future-proof of your brand, always have what I call both sides marketing in play. What I mean by that is you need to have an offline component and an online component. So offline meaning try to keep your overhead low, but definitely people love what I call belly to belly conversations. They want to meet in person. They want to, you know, and right now, or, you know, at the time of this recording, we're in a pandemic, but I will tell you that like, that's not going to stop us from wanting to be together. And so that's, that's one, like when we talk about Starbucks, People want to go to Starbucks mm-hmm. so they can have their coffee and they can have their ritual, right? And so offline rituals help build your business, even if you have an online business. And then vice versa, you need to have an online leveraged way to create revenue for your company. Mm-hmm. And too many times we either do one a lot, like only online, or we only do offline. And I believe in what I call both sides branding strategy mm-hmm. to create marketing for both and build both. So that's my number one thing. And that's also how I've created a very profitable company since 2008. Now, why do you call it belly to belly instead of face to face? Well, because I think that people want to have real conversations with real people and face to face sometimes feels like we have to put on an identity or a surface to, you know, especially like not people hate networking. I do. I hate networking, mm-hmm. but I really love belly to belly conversations. I call them, which is, just like this podcast is doing, let's really, what, what, what's driving you? What motivates you? Did something, you know, I'd love to hear what's happened in your life that's motivated you to be in service in this way. Because if you're a small business owner or an entrepreneur, you are one of the bravest people on the planet, okay? It is not, it's a lot easier to have a job than it is to be an entrepreneur. And so you have a special mission in life to, um, that helps other people get paid for that. Uh, and so what I mean by belly to belly is, just having real conversations, like true from the gut. Get past the small talk, get past the surface level stuff. Got it, awesome. How can our listeners stay in touch with you and follow you? 
So I'm over at jenniferkim.com and also on Instagram. I have a lot of good, I love Instagram. So if you're an Instagram person, follow me at jennifer.kim. Uh, and then my Facebook business page, we do a lot of live streaming and just to support small businesses. Uh, so you can, check, you can just search for me on Facebook and you'll find me there. Got it. And Kim is spelled K-E-M. Correct. Awesome. Jen, thanks for coming on the show. It's been so fun to get to know you. Thanks for sharing your, uh, your story and your experience and your wisdom with our listeners. Thank you so much, Benson. For our listeners, you can always check out our book, From Poop to Gold, if you want to learn more about the creative culture that we've created here at Harmon Brothers. And please make sure to like, share, and subscribe. We'll see you on the next one. As entrepreneurs and small businesses, we all kind of reach that point where we know we've created something awesome and we want to share it with the world, right? Mm -hmm. And it's that very next step that can oftentimes be really intimidating or really scary or you just don't know where to go next, right? And the beautiful thing about this 14-day script challenge is you get your hand held from, okay, you have this cool product, now let's go research and find the exact way to present it and message it to the world in a way that resonates and gets people excited and they're ready to swipe their credit card and purchase. And in the 14-day script challenge, you get the opportunity to go through that step-by-step with our writers who have done it dozens and dozens of times. You actually watch us go through each of the steps ourselves and create it with a real client, a real product, and um, it's a real campaign that's out there that's been very successful. That's right. And the feedback that we've had on this thing has just been phenomenal. I mean, we get comment after comment and emails flowing in from people all over the world who have just uh, raved about the impact that this has had on their business. People tell us over and over again, it is just a huge value punch for the investment for this 14-day script challenge and, and really gave them the tool set they needed to walk through it and make it happen. And we've had dozens of students who have successfully taken the challenge, written their script, launched their ad campaigns, and driven success for their business. It's pretty amazing. For more information, go to hbros.co slash script. That's hbros.co slash script.